Hey, this is Brian, and you are listening to the weekly podcast of Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, and we worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock p.m., and if you'd like to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, or online, midcityvineyard.org. Every couple of weeks uh, around Mid-City Vineyard, we take uh, questions from our community and we just work through a Q&A based off the things that we've been talking about or just random general questions that people in our community of faith might have. And so this week we did a Q&A uh, with uh, three or four questions that we were able to kind of look into together. So thanks for joining us. Much peace to you and to yours. Are, these are hard questions. These are really, really good questions, some of these. And so... Um... All of these. So well, we're going to walk through this this evening. And I just, um, I strongly encourage you as we continue uh, throughout, throughout the, uh, t- our times together, when you have a question, please ask your question. When, whenever I teach something and you're like, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know if I understood <laughs> that or I don't know if I agree with that. Or listen, there's no reason in the community of faith to, to get upset over that. Instead, this is going to be the kind of community where you say, I don't know if I agreed with that, and I'm going to be okay with that. Just ask your question. Or could you expand on that a little bit more? Just ask your question. I think that's really ultimately one of the greatest ways that we uh, can learn. And even tonight, I'm going to give a couple of answers to some of these questions. And if you don't agree with that answer, that's fine too. And if you have a better answer, I would love for you to email me and say, I think that, you know, I've always thought of it this way. Now, I'll I'll then engage you in dialogue, um, you know, because if, you know, you don't have to be right like I am, but it's like, no, (laughs) kidding. No, you email me and I, like, can we not engage in dialogue? I think that's one of the the greatest ways that that we really learn together. Um, So... So this is what we're going to do tonight. And if you even think of a question right in the middle of this tonight, you can text it to 504-908-5434, and I'll put my phone right up here. That way, and the reason I'm doing it that way is so that you don't have to ask in front of everybody. You can just text it straight to me, and then I can say, oh, uh, Chris sent this in. And no. <laughs> Okay. So uh, some of these questions had to do with our series, and some of these questions were just questions that people had, and I thought, well, let's go ahead and and tackle some of these as we go forward. So the first question, I, I'm going to read the whole question, and we'll put part of it up on the screen. But this person said this. I feel that God is, you know, kind of stirring me to talk to or, or invite a certain person to come around and experience more of God. This person constantly talks to me. Or no, no. God seems to constantly talk to me about when this person is in my presence. And it's incredibly uh, this person is an incredibly strong-willed person, but I see so much good in them. Now, I see that this person could really grow and flourish living the kingdom life, but they seem to have zero interest in church of any kind. So my question is, how do I go about talking to this person about faith? Especially when being a Christian is not the cool thing to do. Uh, so here's some background. They're in their early 30s, and they're very self-centered. <laughs> <laughs> I like the question. It sounds, sounds like most... Never mind. Um, then the person says, listen, I'm, I'm, in all honesty, I'm very nervous about it. Uh, I don't want to come off like a Bible weirdo. And I don't want them to take it the wrong way. 
Uh, I feel I'm not ready for something like this because I don't know that much about the Bible or faith, and I still have so much to learn. Uh, but I know we're also not supposed to live in fear. So what do, what do I do? A lot of this has to do with uh, why and how we've even planted uh, Mid-City Vineyard. So if this person was asking this question specifically to me, uh, I, would, I would say a couple of things. First off, uh, think about process. Think about how you eventually came to faith. And, and I am firmly convinced that people don't simply come to faith in Christ uh, through one conversation or through one interaction. Um, part of our, even our, our mission and vision here is that we did not, we're not in Mid-City to save Mid-City. Now, I don't really, I've looked at a lot of uh, church websites, and, and uh, it's been hard to find anyone who has verbiage quite like ours. So it's, uh, but our whole thing is, we're not here to save the city. I, I, don't, I don't feel this heavy, pressing need to save the city of New Orleans. My take on that is that Jesus Christ is in charge of that. And my role, my role as a Christian is to live the life of Christ and to be a faithful presence wherever I am. And that's how we desire to equip this church, to be a faithful presence. So wherever you are, whether you're at the gym or whether you're at your job or whether you're at your coffee house or wherever it is, that we would continually learn what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit of God and to live out the life of the kingdom wherever we are. Now, some people would say, well, that's that. how will they ever know? At some point, I figure that maybe uh, people will uh, start to ask questions. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not in a hurry. I am not in a hurry, personally. Uh, our church is not in a hurry. I'm into the slow seed growth process. And so I would say, ultimately, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? So if this was Christie's question, you know, how do I go about talking to them? I would say, well, do you need to talk to them yet? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How is the Holy Spirit guiding you? How is the Holy Spirit leading you in this time? Uh, and if you feel like the Spirit of God is directing you to say something, then what is the Spirit of God directing you to say? My experience has been there have been times where I did feel like I needed to say something. I have a friend uh, who's quickly become a, a good friend of mine, and he's a Buddhist and has really no interest in the Christian faith. And so when I speak to him, though, I just simply say, uh, I simply say in ways like this, listen, in, in, in my faith and in, in my connection with the divine, you know, I would strongly encourage you to think through what does it look like to forgive in this situation as opposed to holding on to a grudge. Because I think when, we, when we're looking to faith and when we're looking to the divine, there's a reason that the divine and that even Jesus as the Christ would say forgiveness is, is a better way than, than holding a grudge. And so what might that look like in your life? And so all of a sudden we're like in a conversation about the things of Christ. But see, this for me, and make make. There is no bait-and-switch for me because I'm not a bait-and-switch kind of guy. And the reason I can say it is because I'm not trying to get my Buddhist friends saved. Okay, I, I want you to hear that. I'm not trying to get my Buddhist friends saved. What I, what I love about this question more than anything is the person said, I think my friend could live a life that is more flourishing as a kingdom life, which is exactly what Jesus preached. 
a life in the kingdom, which is a life that flourishes. I've come to give you life and give it to the fullest. I'm fully convinced that Jesus and the Spirit can start working these things out with my friend who is Buddhist. Now, that answer in and of itself might cause more questions. Don't leave the church over that answer. Write down your question, and we'll do, talk about it again. Or call me, and we'll go get coffee. But that's, I, you know, this is, I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in all people at all times, <laughs> and the Spirit of God is always drawing people to the Spirit's self. And saying, come on, come on, let, there's more to life. And we get to participate in that. So take the pressure off of trying to save the world. And, and, and learn the faithful presence of being with people. That would be how, how I would respond to said question. So if you have a further response to that, email me. And I'm, I'm serious about that. You guys all have my email address. Email me and say, okay, I want to talk about this one. That'd be great. I'd love to. Second question that came up. We're not going to toss this one back to the tables, but because uh, I noticed the time. It's like it's already 7.02, and there were 16 questions we have to get through. So um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. I love this question. Here it is. What? What's that? <laughs> there are so many verses that get cherry-picked as personal promises from God to us specifically. And they are some of the most popular scriptures in all of the Bible. It, for example, ask and you shall receive. As I, this is not me, someone else wrote this. As I learn more about scripture, I know some promises were really just meant specifically for people in the story at that particular time. So how do we discern what actually is a promise to us in 2017 and what was simply meant for the people or to portray God's character within the context of the scripture at that time? Love this question. I have a super long, detailed answer that I don't feel like I have time to give now, and I'm really upset about that. Because, no, I mean... The answer I have is, is six pages long, but here we go. So let me, let me, let me condense it. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You might have that hanging on your refrigerator. Don't raise your hand. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Americans' favorite verse. Matthew 18.20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. <laughs> there we go. Lord, I need this new truck, and there are two of us here. We know you are here, and we know you hear our prayer. Because the Bible says it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Ah, Luke eleven nine. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks will find. Anyone who knocks, that door will be opened. Lord, I need that $2,000. I ask, and I shall receive, because you said it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need an A on this test. I did not study, but <laughs> I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Christianity, primarily, especially in America, has been turned into a bunch of hocus pocus. It's been turned into a God, I do this for you, you do this for me 
It's more magic than it is faith in 2017, especially in the West. <laughs> I, I, I have a huge problem with that. I hope you do too, and maybe you will more after this. I, here's, here's the deal. Jeremiah 29.11 is a beautiful verse, but there is a context to Jeremiah 29.11. There is a context, and you can never read Scripture without context. Otherwise, you can make Scripture say anything you want. If you don't believe that, just turn on the television and start watching what Christians make the Scripture say. I don't want to be that type of Christian. I don't want you to be that type of Christian. That's why we talk so much about maturing in Christ as Christians, as those who are learning and growing together. Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, it's the same thing. You must have context. You must have context for all of these. Just so you know, uh, the one about um, for where two or three are gathered in my name and whatever they ask, I will give to them. The next verse says, or, or before that, uh, he's talking about um, uh, uh, conflict. Conflict within the church. And he's saying, Matthew's writing, and he's talking about Jesus, where he's saying, listen, what happens is when you're in conflict, go to the person that you have conflict with. Go to Sean and talk to Sean about it. And if that doesn't work, take Chris and the two of you go to Sean, and together where two or more are you are gathered, so I will be there with you. And this is how you work through conflict. It has nothing to do with praying for that new F-150. I'm not telling you to not pray for the F-150. I pray for that every day. But... <laughs> But that's not what it's doing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You must read it in context. Do you realize that right before that, Paul said, listen, I am not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned what it is to be content in everything. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have my needs met. I know what it is to have learned the secret of being content in every situation whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, where I'm living in plenty or whether I'm living in want, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul is saying, listen, I've gone through the ringer and back. And no matter what circumstance I find myself in, I have come to the place of understanding that the spirit of the living Christ is with me and I can do these things because Christ is the one who strengthens me. It has very little to do, or nothing, to do with getting an A on a test without studying. Which I, I also prayed that prayer all the time. When it comes to figuring these things out, if it can't mean, if a scripture can't mean the same thing for everyone, then it can't mean that thing for anyone. So if you can't apply the scripture and it works for, for people who live in third world countries and, and are trying to understand and, and have these same promises met, if it can't work for them, then it can't work for you. If it can't work for everyone, and it doesn't work for anyone. Secondly, we have to read the scripture in context. It wasn't until the printing press and, and the Reformation that Bibles made it into every household. Now, in America, every household has like 2.5 Bibles or something like that, uh, but there was a time where no one had Bibles. Now, the Protestants hang their hat on that. Everybody can have a Bible. Everybody can read the Bible, and all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, tell me about the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you exactly what the Bible means. Baloney. It's not true. It doesn't work that way. If it did, then we wouldn't have books. Uh, just go on Amazon tonight and Google, uh, or you don't Google on Amazon, <laughs> search on Amazon, pull up four views on just type in four views on, and what will come up is a plethora of books. Four views on hell, four views on the atonement, 
four views on the crucifixion, four views on baptism, four views on the Holy Spirit, four views on Pentecost, four views on this, four views on that, four views on this, four views on that, because it's not that easy. If it, if it was just, I'll open the Bible and I'll say, Holy Spirit, what does it mean? Then we would only have one view on any of those things, but we don't. This is why, and I, you know, I'm, I, feel, I feel passionately about the scripture. I feel passionately about how we teach scripture. This is why in the Catholic Church forever, it was only the priest who would read the scripture and study the scripture and devote his life to the scripture and then express to, to people, this is what the scripture says and this is how we live our lives. Now, I don't think we need to go back to that. I think it's good that we have scripture and we read scripture, but we can't figure it out in a bubble. You can't go home tomorrow and just say, I'm just going to figure out what this means just for me personally and, and that'll, that'll, be the, that'll be the new deal. That's why we, we do this. That's part of why we get together. That's why we, we experience the discipline of gathering and, and reading and understanding and looking into scripture. That's why I encourage you, um, whenever someone tells me, hey, I heard this message that you preached, and it's funny because this morning I was listening to Joel Osteen, and he said the exact same thing as you. Let me just tell you right now, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Because Joel Osteen and I, God bless Joel Osteen, but we don't believe hardly anything the same. Theologically, we are, we are like this, apart from each other. As far as, I, as far as I know, we both believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came back from the dead and connects us to God the Father. As far as I know, we both believe that. I mean, I know I believe that, <laughs> just so we're clear. But as far as I know, Joel does also. But other than that, we don't, we don't theologically, because we come from very two, different, two very different streams. So I think a lot of this has to do with you finding a community of faith, which you have, wrestling through some of these things and just... Uh, coming to a place of, you know, what do I, what, how do I sense God leading me and, and the Spirit leading me in, in these ways? And then the last thing is you, ha- you must understand the overarching meta narrative of the Scripture. And the meta narrative, what that means, it's the overarching narrative of what is God doing from Genesis to Revelation and how do we understand the Bible in all of its context. And we understand the Bible as the, the story of God redeeming all of creation for his glory, overcoming and overturning evil and the Satan in the presence of darkness so that we might all be part of the beautiful kingdom of God. That's the overarching narrative. I mean, super short version of it from Genesis to Revelation. So how do these verses fit into that context? Does that, does that resonate to some degree? We could, we could spend weeks on this, and we might at some point, uh, because this... That's a good question. This is good stuff. Question number three. Whoa, man, I don't think I even want to deal with this one. Put it, move it. I don't want to deal with that one. All right, last question, since it's already 7.15. Okay. Was the Holy Spirit able to live inside of human beings before Pentecost? Or to put it differently, what was the role of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost? (coughs) What a good question. I think we might do a whole series on the Holy Spirit at some point too, because this is, this is like, this is the gold right here. This, I, I, oh, so good. So Pentecost takes place in Acts chapter two. You might recall if if you have uh, had a chance to study scripture any. Pentecost is known as the time where Jesus has ascended into heaven. And Jesus, at the end of his 
death and resurrection kind of thing. He, sit, he hangs around for 40 days. He gathers the disciples on the top of some mountain or somewhere. It depends on which gospel you read because, um, uh, because those stories differ a little bit, which makes you wonder. Anyway, that's another thing about scripture, and that's a whole other thing. So we'll do a series on scripture. Um, so what we have now is Jesus saying to the disciples, go and wait until I send another, until I send the helper, until I send the one that's going to come after me. And so the disciples go and they hang out and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. And then in Jerusalem uh, on that day, boom, the Holy Spirit falls and fills the disciples and the 120 in the upper room. And it says that from there, they all went out and they began to preach the gospel to those who were in Jerusalem at that time. And it seems that it is at this time that we have more of an impartation of the Holy Spirit into the lives of men and women. The question is, what was the Holy Spirit doing before this time? And scholars are all over the place on this, and this is, why one, this is one of those things where, I mean, this goes all the way back. I'm going to tell you right now. When you start to research, and, and re this goes all the way back to even uh, thoughts on original sin and what's taking place in the garden and what's taking place in creation. Holy cow. So we could just, you know, maybe we'll just do an entire series on the whole Bible. Um, <laughs> that's what we'll do after we do a series on how to read the Bible. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter, we're just going to start right now. In Genesis chapter 1, the word that's used for spirit or breath is ruach. The Hebrew word is ruah or ruach. And, and that word says in Genesis 2, actually, that, that, this, that God breathed life into human beings. At that moment, that word, ruach, is, it means spirit. It means breath. At the creation of, of, of humanity, as, as human beings are created, they are given the spirit. They are given the breath. They are given the life of God. Now, there seems to be, uh, and again, remember, just this just goes back and forth, but it, it seems that God's overarching uh, ultimate plan, I think it was um, uh, Irenaeus from the fourth, fourth century, I believe, said that God's redemptive purposes were in the fact that God, as Father and Creator, sent not only His Son, but also His Spirit. And that the Father, or, uh, that the Son, Jesus, the Christ, and the Spirit are the two hands of God that come to bring about redemptive salvation for all of creation. Now, this is an amazing picture because mostly we think Jesus came to save the world. But I mean, this picture that Jesus and Spirit come together to save all of creation. And it's at this time at Pentecost that somehow. The Spirit of God comes and something is awakened at a deeper level in some way, shape, or form within human beings to where we, we are able to experience more of the life in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I, for one, believe that people experience the presence of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. I also believe that people experience more of a realization and uh, more of an experience of the Spirit after Pentecost because I think that there was a greater release in some way, shape, or form. I really am not going to get into all of that tonight uh, to further explain that. But the overall arching question was, what was the role of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost? I want to say 
to you that I believe that the role of the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. I, I think that the Spirit of the living God is in all things. I think that the Spirit of God was, uh, was, was breathing on all of creation at the time of creation as the Spirit hovered over the chaos, as the Spirit began to move about and bring order to the chaos, as the Spirit breathes life into human beings and breathes life into birds and breathes life into, into dogs and, and breathes life into flowers and trees. I believe that it is the Spirit of the living God that is ever-present in every single thing that we do. I believe that it is the Holy Spirit that is known as the bond of love that, that keeps this amazing dance between Father, Son, and Spirit in place. And the Holy Spirit invites you and the Holy Spirit invites me into this this divine nature where we might be one and experience the life of Christ, the life of the divine as we are caught up in this life with God, Jesus, Spirit. This is why we light the candle. This is why I always say, and Lord, even in this time, may we experience your presence even as we drink coffee together because there is no time that the Spirit of the living God is not present. There is nowhere. Remember what David said, where can I go that your spirit isn't present? Isn't it interesting that even the psalmist said, I could go down to the depths of Sheol and Dagnab if you're not there too. What? What? How cool is this? Literally meaning that right now we are swimming in spirit. In the spirit of creativity, in the spirit of love and mercy and kindness, God is present here. So what is the role? The role has been always, it's, it's the bond of love. It's what connects me to you. It's what connects you to creation. It's what connects creation to the Father. It's what connects the Father to you, and so on and so forth. And at Pentecost, something really cool happened, and there was a, a greater experience where, where we are we are seems to scripture that we're filled with the spirit. And I would say in closing that that you know what? You whether you realize this or not, you can't do anything apart from the spirit. You've never been able to do anything apart from the spirit. That's why I'm firmly convinced when people say, "Well, you can't have the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian." Um, I, I understand what they're saying in some to some degree, but the truth is Without the Holy Spirit, without the Spirit, you're not going to experience any form of kindness or mercy or grace or forgiveness. You're, 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 you're not going to experience life. Somebody's locked in the bathroom. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's what I would say to you. I, are we doing okay? Are, are you tracking with me? So here's the thing. Because I, uh, I, sh I should really just say amen and pray and close it, but here's the bottom line. I do believe, just like at Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit said, I want to fill you. I want to energize you. I want to give you more of my life. I want you to experience more of my life. I, I want you to go about your life but not doing it on your own power. I want you to understand and know the words that I do want you to speak to that coworker, And I want you to know when I want you to shut up and simply be present. 
I had someone just yesterday who I went to see them, just to visit them and tell them hi, and they were they were crying at that moment, and, and they began to, um, they were at work, and I sat down, what's wrong? And they were expressing to me that they, uh, someone very, very close to them had just passed away two nights ago, and they'd been holding it in and hadn't shared it with anybody because they were trying to stay strong and all this stuff. And I simply, I literally felt the Holy Spirit say, don't say a word, just listen. <laughs> so, and, and you know that's awkward, right? Because they're pouring out their heart, and I mean, it, it was, don't say a word. So I did not say a word, and then when they were done, she stood up, and she said, I got to get back to work. Can I have a hug? I hugged her, and I left. Last night, she sent a text, and she says, I just want to thank you for simply listening to me today. All I needed was someone to listen. <laughs> I was like, how easy was that? And yet, how easy is that to mess up? And I, I honestly attribute that to the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we just need the Spirit to say, <laughs> shut up. Or <laughs> mom's the spirit for you. That's right. <clears throat> All spirit in our house, okay? All spirit. <laughs> shut up. You need that. I need that. So tonight, I know it's hot and I know that we're, some of us are probably hungry, but I want to pray for us. Because some of us in the room, you know, you're just going through stuff, man. Or stuff, whatever it is. And the truth is, you need, you need more of the Holy Spirit.